Hello and welcome to the Empowered Hormone Podcast, where we pull apart all those taboo topics, periods, parasites, poos, hormones and more. Let's question everything you've been taught about your body. I'm your host, Sheridan Decker, a gin-loving gut health nerd passionate about debunking myths on birth control, period pain and IBS. If you struggle with bloating or your period is less than pretty, then join me as we chat about everything relating to gut and hormone health. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Empowered Hormones podcast. I'm your host, Sheridan Decker, and today I have the privilege of speaking to Faye, Faye Sheridan. Uh, so she's a women's integrative health practitioner and menstrual cycle educator. So thank you so much for being here today, Faye. Thank you so much for having me. It's so funny we've both got like, uh, my last name is Sheridan and your first name is Sheridan. <laughs> I know. And the funny thing is, is that yours is the nice way to spell it as well. Everyone spells my name like exactly like yours. And they're like, oh, like Sheridan, like the sheets. And I'm like, mm, not quite. <laughs> um, so for those who don't know you, can you just start by telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do? So um, my name is Faye and um, I am a female integrative health practitioner and also a menstrual cycle educator. So Uh, In the last kind of year or so, I've really kind of gone into the education role of trying to educate more coaches on, um, you know, reproductive health, menstrual cycle, um, and and trying to get them to educate women on how to lead more cyclical lives. Um, I work with female in a very kind of holistic way. So looking at their movement of choice, looking at their nutrition, blood work, all the things, um, mindset, and then, yeah, kind of trying to help them get to the root cause of what is potentially driving their their menstrual cycle issues. Because when we look at the menstrual cycle, it's usually something that's going on upstream that could be um, driving uh, some of these uh, dysfunctions. So that's kind of what I do in a nutshell. Um, I did start out in as a personal trainer um, 10 years ago. And, um, yeah, just over the years, I've just become more of a health coach. Yeah, and slowly, I guess, I'm assuming there's a health story behind it as well. Yeah, so there usually always is. <laughs> For me personally, I never actually had excruciating uh, periods or anything like that. I was quite fortunate. It was always quite regular. It was never a big deal for me when I was younger however I did go on the pill like most uh teenagers and I it just wiped me I was this person who I didn't even recognize and I look back and I'm like wow so I was basically non-emotional I wasn't sad I wasn't happy and I led my life like this for many many years and it wasn't until that I decided to come off of it I think it was like when I was 26 Um, and I was like, wow, this is what it feels like to be normal, to have my normal hormones. And I had this abundance of energy and I had this, um, just new lease of life. And so that's kind of my story. And then my sister has, um, PMDD. She had the complete opposite. She had really excruciating, uh, painful periods. Um, and so that again, kind of led me onto this path, but, For me personally, why I wanted to go down this route is that when I was a personal trainer, I was mainly dealing with women 
and they were either going through perimenopause, which I had I knew nothing about back then, <laughs> and or they were coming to their PT sessions and they were talking about their their PMS that they may be experiencing. Mm. And so back then I got my clients to track their cycle without really knowing what was going on myself. I didn't know anything about hormones. I didn't know what was happening, but I just knew that this one thing every month impacts women so differently from person to person. So that's kind of where I started. And then I just, over the years, did my own research um, and yes, study and just kind of threw myself into more into uh, female health. Yeah, wow. And then that's kind of led you to where you are today, which is uh, you said you run a gym and then you also support women um, with one-on-one coaching or group stuff to help them with their cycles? Yeah, so I don't really run the gym anymore. That's more my partner. So um, he he is very heavily involved in that. I'm just on the side. Um, I've kind of stepped away now and I'm more, yeah, doing the one-on-one coaching. I also do group coaching online and I also have like a a reclaim your cycle um like it's a self-paced course that women can go through to reclaim their cycle um yeah so that's pretty much it it's it's crazy because I think like like you said earlier there's so much more awareness now coming into that link between obviously you know your exercise your menstrual cycle and starting to get women to track to kind of go hey what's the big picture here and how much it's impacted as well and I mean you you hear that on a daily basis of women going I didn't even think about tracking like I didn't even know it was connected so I think that's really awesome what you do on that that level of sort of that awareness is there specific apps that you like using for period tracking uh, I personally like Read Your Body. It's quite a new app. Um, before that, I would use something like Kindara. It's been out for a couple of years now, and that's probably the best app out there as far as it's aesthetically pleasing as a coach looking from it from that point of view. I can see, like, the graph and I can see the basal body temperature and cervical mucus and stuff like that, and it's not based off an algorithm. It's based off the data that you input. Mm. I'm always educating my clients like no app can predict ovulation whether it's algorithm based or data based um you still you know our, our the day that we ovulate isn't day 14 like we're told um and it can vary from month to month as well so it's trying to get women to connect with their own biomarkers which is like cervical mucus basal body temperature uh, cervix positioning and then tracking that and put, you can put it in the app which is which is useful yeah I've heard more like I've always used Kindara just from um when I first got my temp drop and started tracking temp and it was the one that was like oh yeah cool this like works and stuff but I chatted to a lady the other day about fertility awareness stuff and she uses read your body and um yeah. she was like it's it's really great as well and I was like oh I'll have to have a look into it because apparently yeah, it's it's quite easy to use yeah, it's 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 easy to use, and like I said, for, as a coach to see it, it's aesthetically pleasing as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Do you ever do it on paper? Do any of your clients do it paper tracking still? Sometimes when I get clients who are so disconnected from their themselves and their cycle, I get them to put pen to paper. So I'm not on. I'm not only getting them to track their basal body temperature and their biomarkers. But I'm also getting them to track how they feel, how their body is showing up, how they feel emotionally. And sometimes just putting pen to paper can be so, so 
beneficial on so many levels. Um, so, yeah, if, if a woman is completely disconnected, I, th- I find that journaling is a really good start to just reconnect with, with the cycle. Yeah, I, I love that because I think about my, those times I had seven years of no periods and I think about how disconnected you come from your body and also yeah journaling writing stuff down does your right it does help heaps and also like so many women will say oh I like I don't know well you know so much about your body so in tune and I'm like yeah but I've spent a long time listening to it as well and you're right like if we write that down it just feels more I don't know there's definitely a lot more connection there I, I definitely get that um like, on a broad on a broad level, do you think that exercise impacts the menstrual cycle and how so, you know, are you seeing that in clients? I think it's the other way around. I think the menstrual cycle impacts exercise. So um, I do, there are, because of certain hormones, um, you know, being more dominant in, in parts of our cycle. So if we really dumb it down it's like the follicular phase the most the more dominant hormone is um estradiol and in the luteal phase we have progesterone like estradiol is still there in the luteal phase alongside progesterone or it should be um but in that that first half so in the follicular phase you know around day three we start to see this increase in estradiol so we have an abundance of energy we can push a little bit harder say in the gym or whatever your choice of exercise is, we're going to recover a lot a lot better as well in this part of our cycle. And we also utilize carbohydrates a lot better in this part of our cycle as well. So you can go harder. Um, you can tolerate, you know, a lot more. You can, this is a time where you want to be hitting PBs. Um, and one thing I would say is that women are more susceptible to injuries around this part of their cycle because of the impact that estradiol has on ligamentation. So it can create more laxity, especially as it's heightened just near ovulation as well. So there's that component. And then the luteal phase, we are, we, um, we can, we better, we're better off with kind of short, sharp stints so more like hit or more sprints um we actually are burning more fat in this um part of our cycle so we can actually um i think it's like 100 to 300 calories more that we burn due to progesterone having um, this thermogenic effect on the body because of the the rise in the basal body temperature and we also have the ability to mobilize fat a lot higher in this part of our cycle as well um, our nervous system can take a little bit of a hit. So things like our HRV might be a little bit out of whack. Our heart rate might be a little bit higher as well. Um, so there are those uh, contributing factors. So your your session as such, and I'm talking very gym-based here. I know not everyone goes to the gym, but you are better saying doing more high-intensity interval training um, and doing potentially more volume but keeping your, your training quite short and sharp and not doing, you know, one RMs, three RMs, five RMs. That said, I don't get to many of my clients. I don't program um, uh, exercise around their menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. So what I like to do is I like to empower the woman to pay attention to her body first and foremost. How is she feeling? 
Um, I usually do, do say like avoid lifting, um, you know, on day one to three of your bleed because just hormones are super low, energy is usually low. It's It can be a time that if you do go and try and do a 1RM or something like that, that you might be just overall fatigued. Um, and so, but a lot of my clients aren't doing 1RMs in the gym. They're not doing pure strength training. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't get them to, I don't necessarily change. Um, I don't do cyclical programming as such. I just get them to check in with themselves every single training session as they, as anyone should be, whether you're, you know, on the pill or you have a menstrual cycle, I think it's always important to check in with yourself, look at your sleep from the night before, look at your nutrition, your hydration, getting them to connect with that and how they're showing up and potentially decreasing load or um, potentially intensity in that luteal phase in a nutshell. Yeah, it's, I mean, I love, I love all that. This is all so new to me. It's incredible. I'm just like, my brain's going, well, that's really interesting because if you have someone who's not menstruating or going through that ebb and flow, how that would present differently to someone who's going through a cycle each month. Like if you'll say on, let's just say the birth control pill and you're not going through that, like I almost go, oh, is that an advantage? Because you're not having those flat days, but on the flip side, you're not having those up days either. Like I think about how good I feel in the middle of my cycle and I've got so much energy as opposed to, you're right, definitely those first couple of days, like last week, I'm like, oh, I just need a few rest days because I'm just tired. Um, but it, it's, yeah, I guess it's not pros and cons. It's just, it's working with that, but it does impact it on so many levels. Yeah, and if you're on birth control, I mean, it does suppress things like ovulation and progesterone. Like I said, it it mobilizes fat, so we burn fat a lot better in that part of our cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, estradiol, if if we're not producing enough estradiol, we um, we may not build as much lean muscle mass. So there are pros and cons. Um, I find that there's more pros to being off birth control um, with with training, but um, yeah, it's it is super interesting. Is like a lot of women ask me, they go, I feel hungrier like leading up to my period or around my period then and stuff. And I suppose you're right. There is that increased body temp and that increased thermogenic effect. Then do you recommend women eat more then if, you know, to meet those needs or just plant by ear? It really comes down to the individual. So say if I have a client who is trying to lose weight, I guess, and they're getting to that part of their cycle and they're just, they're ravenous. So they're in a deficit anyway, and they're ravenous. I might increase their calories, say 100, 200, a little bit more to, it's usually the late luteal phase, which is where I see, you know, that hunger really kick in. Um, So again, it depends on the individual. I don't usually change macros or anything uh, macros or micros or calories as such. Um, I just, I, again, just getting the client to check in with how they feel, making sure that they're actually having meals consistently throughout the day and not fasting for too long or making sure that they're getting protein at every single meal. Because sometimes I'm like, okay, is it your, is it your bleed that's making you super hungry, your period, um, or like leading into your period? Or is it the fact that you're actually undernourished not getting enough you know calories as a whole or not eating meals that contain protein fats and carbohydrates um yeah. but you can, you can manipulate um 
yeah, you can manipulate the, the macronutrients. Um, you might want to increase fat a little bit more in the luteal phase. Um, and in the follicular phase, we, we do a lot better on carbohydrates. So we're more insulin uh, sensitive in that follicular phase. I, I love all of that only because I'm thinking of that Instagram post you wrote about women, you know, timing their training or their food or whatever around their cycle. And you're like, women, can we just get the damn basics down packed pretty much first? Because you're right. Like so many women are not even hitting, say, 100 grams of protein a day at a, you know, at a bare minimum kind of thing. And then you go, okay, well, you want to add in a layer of cyclic training and cyclic eating? Like, please, how much time do you have? So true. And like, as you would know, Sheridan, like most women are under eating in protein um, and they like, they wonder why they get this, these cravings that are rab- like ravenous cravings um, as they, they, they go into their late luteal phase. So yeah, now the basics first, and then you can start playing around with, with macros if need be. Do you see a lot of over-exercising leading to impacting cycles like hypothalamic amenorrhea or stuffing PCOS around or those kinds of things? Yeah, again, come, I see a, a wide range of different women doing different things. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, HA is heavily correlated with, you know, a greater output to input. So potentially their, their calories are super low in comparison to their output. Um, so yeah, you do run into um, into potentially getting hypothalamic amenorrhea, um, and it's very common in in young girls that are athletes as well. Like I was a swimmer, um, we trained six days a week, and a lot of women, a lot of girls back then that I trained with, didn't get their period until really late, um, or they just they didn't get their period at all. So um, there's that component. So yeah, obviously making sure if, if a female has lost her cycle, and obviously you, you've experienced this yourself, um, making sure that you are getting adequate amount of food um, and um, making sure that your output isn't too much. Like I see a lot of women overtraining because it's ingrained in us to just keep working out more and you'll lose weight. Yeah. <laughs> when if we were just a little bit smarter with the with looking at all the things like our, you know, our our macronutrients our training recovery as well um, plays a huge role in body composition and I think that gets neglected as well so things like sleep Um, so yeah there is there's definitely the overtraining side of things and then there's the other side of things where women just aren't lifting weights and I think that it's really important that women do some sort of resistance training because as we get older we start to lose estradiol, so it declines. So it's a lot harder for us to build lean muscle mass. So one, we want to build lean muscle mass, um, use this abundance of estradiol that we have while we have it so that we're setting up a really nice base as we enter into later years of our life, so going through peri and postmenopause. And obviously for bone health, bone density, that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. So if you see a female who say has lost their period for, you know, whatever reason, whether it's stress or exercise or those kinds of things, um, what kind of exercises, and this kind of probably ties into adrenal fatigue type stuff, but I use the word that kind of burnout, what kind of exercise are you recommending? Are you still recommending strength-based training or are you more just going completely gentle or where does that fall a little bit? So, again, looking at the individual, like what is their training schedule currently look like? Are they doing six kind of, I'd say hit, but it's not true hit, like 45-minute circuit sessions a week? 45. 
45, didn't want to name anything, but yeah, yeah like 45 or, you know, whatever else is, you know, the the leading one at the moment, but F45 and so potentially like too low a carbohydrate. And so it might be having the conversation with them. And you also got to take into consideration like that might also bring them so much joy. Um, so you don't want to take it away from them completely because that's a stress in itself. Yeah. So it's like, okay, can you meet me halfway and can we, we potentially do two F45 sessions a week and maybe, you know, two strength sessions a week with, yeah. you know, slower, uh, with more intention and more, and you know, uh, more recovery um, in between sets and we focus on your nutrition. Yeah. Um, and then also understanding that a lot of the time, sometimes disordered eating uh, is heavily correlated with HA as well. So it's like, what is, what is this female presenting in front of me? Is there potentially an eating disorder or disordered eating? And for me, that would be where I would refer out. Mm -hmm. um, or is it that she just has no idea and she's just running herself into the ground? Does she have low self-worth? And that's why she wants to, you know, flog herself in the gym. So there's so many variables, but I would never completely take away strength training because she is not going to have estrogen anyway her estrogen is going to be low so to take something like strength training away is going to be really not beneficial for her and for her bone mass and bone density and stuff like that so I would definitely focus more on strength training uh, longer rest periods don't train as much and then really focus on food quality and quantity yeah, I I love that. And I think, where were you 10 years ago? Because <laughs> I'm like, there's so much. Um, like the 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 other big ones I see is the body image stuff, because I totally resonate with that. And then also the overtraining and then the fear of carbohydrates, like that's you know, your your big ones. I mean, then there's external pressures and stress we put on ourselves, but so many women, the under-eating of carbs and then just going, Oh, I just I don't have the energy to train, I don't really want to train, but I'm doing it anyway because I hate my body and then they're not recovering properly and a lot of the times I kind of be like if you just ate some more carbs you could probably do the training you want to do and your period would be fine but you got to nourish that body yeah definitely yeah there's fear of carbs and these f45s they they push this low carb diet in their eight week challenges and that kind of stuff so it's a it can be a vicious cycle um and carbohydrates were the devil for so long um, but women need carbohydrates and um, we need them for our menstrual cycle health. So Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I guess that just comes into those elements of supporting your cycle. Like there is that nutrition stuff like you've kind of talked about as well and then also understanding your body and your training to match that. Because the other thing is like when women come through and they're so burnt out and they're kind of like, well, do I have to stop everything? But I'd... I, I'm always hesitant to say, well, I don't really think that's a good idea either. Because like you said, so many of them are like, well, I love running so much every day and it makes me so happy and it's my out and kind of like, you, you're right. We've got to compromise and find that middle ground for sure. Yeah, definitely. I've had clients come to me who have had HA and they've um, they've been told to completely stop training mm. and eat 2,500 calories. Yes. So um, that seems to be like the magic, you know, how it's like the magic number for dieting yes. is 1,200. Yes. It's like the, the magic number for getting your cycle back is 2,500. But again, you need to look at the the individual in front of you. Um, you need to be looking at their mindset uh, around food, why they feel like they need to punish themselves in the gym. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and 
gradually increase you know it, it depends again how what what how old is that person are they wanting to try for a baby like is time on their side that kind of stuff so again comes down to the individual but yeah it, you really need to look at all the facets of um health when it comes and i'm to- sure you must go into with your client stuff about I'm going to sort of say it wrong, but that feminist energy womb work type stuff. Because I remember one naturopath a couple of years ago and I went and saw her just about, yeah, not having my cycles and stuff. And she was like, Sheridan, you need to connect back to your feminist energy. Because I was doing a lot of CrossFit and boxing and those kinds of things. And she was like, hey, change your type of exercise and just become a little bit more in tune. But also things like moving your hips every day and dancing and breathing into, you know, kind of that chakra or that area or just being more. And I said that to a client the other day, I'm like, you really need to connect with your feminine energy a little bit more. I feel like that must be a huge part of what you do as well. Yeah, it is huge. I have a whole module on this in my Reclaim Your Cycle on the feminine and the masculine. We need both. However, it's no word of a lie that women are stuck in their their masculinity um, so yeah, it's really important to include, um, I guess, yeah, that, that in, embodying that feminine energy a little bit more, um, especially in this, I, I like to call the follicular phase, like the yang part of the, the cycle. And then I like to call the luteal phase, the yin. So the more feminine, the more being, and then the follicular phase, the more doing, so, um, yeah, just being aware that in that luteal phase, you need to um, give back to yourself. Like you can give a lot in that follicular phase, but in that luteal phase, you may need to take your foot off the gas a little bit more. You may need to say no to more um, to, to social events to protect your energy. Um, so, yeah, I, I talk about that in the Reclaim Your Cycle, like this, this feminine masculine energy throughout our cycle, but also in our life as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think so often we get caught up in, um, you know, like the training, the type of training we do, and then sort of the food. And we're sort of like, okay, well, those are the only two really important things. If I get them nailed, my cycle should be fine and those kind of things. But like you said, there's so much more to it. It's that energy and then it's your boundaries with people and then it's your meditation and your headspace and your stress and your finances. Because there's someone who sort of struggles with PCOS as well. I could have my training nailed, like my strength training really dialed in and my food really dialed in. But if my stress or my triggers aren't, then you still lose your period or they still go crappy. Like we're so sensitive. Yeah, exactly. Very sensitive. And for those women that have, do have an underlying, uh, you know, menstrual cycle uh, dysfunction like PCOS or they have had HA in the past, they are going to be more susceptible to relapsing back into that. So, um, yeah, being aware of um, what your triggers are, but also if it does happen, because we do have stressful seasons of our life, know that you have the tools under your tool belt to get yourself out of that as well. And don't be so hard on yourself if you do skip a period or you have a longer follicular phase or your cycle goes with goes missing for a couple of months. I always like to think of that as adaptation rather than a dysfunction because our body's just trying to protect us. Um, yeah. It's telling us that we're not in a position to carry a child right now. So it's actually a very beautiful thing that our body does for us and that we should listen. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. It's it's more of a yeah protective thing rather than something to 
hate your body about and just be like, what's wrong with you? Which so many women are like, I don't know, I'm female and I'm not having period, what's going on? But rather it's your body going, hey, we're in fight or flight right now where we're not rest, digest, we're not ready to have a baby, we don't want to ovulate. Um, So this is going to be a super broad question, but across the board when it comes to periods and cycles and stuff, are there herbal teas or nutrient-dense foods or something that you go, I really love these foods, I really recommend them for women for healthy cycle or getting enough nutrients into your diet or some of those things? Um, I think animal protein. (laughs) I wish more women ate animal protein and I wish they ate more um, red meat as well. I don't know what it is about women. They just, I think it's like, I I look at my mum's generation, it was like ingrained in them to eat, you know. um, Kidney. (laughs) Well, it was ingrained in them to eat like fish or chicken, no red meat, no fat. Like fat was a devil for so long. So um, I, th- I think overall, like, and it is very broad, like I would like to see more women eat fattier cuts of meat and red meat as well. I think that's like nature's very own multivitamin <laughs> and it's really good for menstrual cycle health. Um, so that's probably the main one. Um, and just whole foods. Like I see a lot of women going for low sugar stuff or um stuff that's in a packet that's, you know, sold as organic when really it's got a barrage of um, ingredients. So just I guess whole foods that are anti-inflammatory to you because uh, we all both know that if someone is struggling with some sort of gut dysbiosis, then say certain FODMAP foods might be irritating, uh, nightshades, that kind of stuff. So eating inf- inf- anti-inflammatory foods for you, for where you're at, and, yeah, just good quality animal protein I think yeah I think you're right we've stuffed up in that middle generation there because I'm thinking of our grandparents so that's when the kidney and the organs and all that stuff it was kidney pie and it was liver and it was this and that and they had it nailed and own bread and no issues with the wheat and then I look at yeah sort of that middle generation our parents and those kind of things you're right it was very much low fat and no cholesterol and no butter and no egg yolks and none of those things and then now I feel like we're trying to re-educate people to almost step back and go hey we're actually allowed to eat those things and fruit's good and honey's good and you know those whole foods are awesome so we've have a we've had a mismatch in the middle there and again that era as well like our, our parents they were introduced to more endocrine disrupting chemicals as well so it really is like yeah, it's what we are paying the price now. <laughs> um, and then our kids as well. So um, yeah, it's, there's a lot to um, answer for with that whole kind of change with the low fat diet, the, um, the, in, the introduction with these chemicals. And yeah, it's having a huge impact on, on fertility and reproductive health. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, like, Flip, you're a world of knowledge and <laughs> learning lots of you already. But with those who um, want to get in touch or follow your content or learn more about you and what you do, where are the best places to find you? So I have two Instagram accounts. One is, I don't know why I did this, but <laughs> one is personal, one is my business. So uh, my business one is Cycle Sisters, so at Cycle Sisters. And then my personal one is um, at Faye Sheridan underscore. I usually share everything on both pages anyway. Um, But, yeah, I'm probably mostly active on um, Instagram. Awesome. And I will tag those in the show notes for you guys. But 
Thank you for jumping on. Like I think there's so much information that, I don't know, should be shared more commonly to women around this training, especially because a lot of the women I see um, tend to sort of be those women who are doing it all, you know, like your types, your you and me types who sort of eat healthy and exercise but are having all these health issues. So kind of going that bit deeper and then understanding our cycle better and tracking it better just oh, it makes it's yeah, it's a game changer across the board, I believe. Yeah, on so many levels. Well, thanks for coming on and um, it's a pleasure to chat and I really appreciate your time. Having you, Sheridan. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Empowered Hormone Podcast. If you know a female who needs some empowerment, please forward, repost, tag or share and let's get women talking.